0: my despair to show me you would never leave me there you claim me because I was made for so much more I am your child and I'm worth fighting for though heavy with the weight of my mistakes you carried me and refused to let me sink under the pressure You're meant for me to soar I am your child And I'm worth fighting for Eyes haven't seen Ears haven't heard All you have planned for me And nothing can separate me from your love When there's so much more Worth fighting for. Now I'm moving by faith and not by sight towards victory. By the power of your might, you're straightening out my path and opening every door. I am your child, oh God, and I'm worth fighting for. That's your testimony, claim it this morning. Nothing, no nothing can separate me from from your your love. love. When this still works, don't wait to clear it. Eyes haven't seen,
1: seen. ears
0: haven't heard. the mark because the calling on my life is worth fighting for and I keep my mind stayed on my king because the peace it brings is worth fighting for and I'll be faithful for my wife and children because my family yes it's worth This world is not my home, but your kingdom here is worth fighting for. I gotta mention it this morning if you know that the god of the universe is lifting you up beyond your faults seeing to your needs and claim it one more time say There is so much more. Show me your hands real quick. You see it? You see it? There is so much more. You see it? There is so much more. worth victory is mine, victory is mine.
2: Thank you so kindly. For the sake of emphasis, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 there is that scattereth and yet increaseth. James chapter 1, verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. Let us reason together for a few moments from this subject Diaspora, the divine definition of destiny. Will you repeat that after me? Diaspora, the divine definition of destiny. Thanks be to God for the strong kinsmanship between Proverbs and James. For the book of Proverbs is entrusted to Solomon as the Lord appeared to him in a vision when he was at on the eve of his being consecrated and anointed as king of Israel. The Lord in effect said to Solomon, I'm giving you a blank check. I just want you to fill it in. Ask anything you want and I'll give it to you. But notice what James says, if any of you lack wisdom, Let him ask of God. Solomon sought the Lord, and instead of asking for riches and wealth and defeat of his enemies and annexation of bordering territories, he asked God for wisdom and knowledge and an understanding heart to know how, as a young man in his 20s, to inherit the throne of David and to be one of the persons who would hold the throne for the ultimate successor, Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. God was so moved at Solomon's answer that God, instead of asking for things and possessions and position and power, I want your wisdom. God not only gave him wisdom and knowledge above any other man before or since, but God also gave him the bonus blessings of riches and honor. If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things shall be added unto you. In gifting Solomon with wisdom, the Lord gave him a focus of practical insight. In reading the book of Proverbs, we find that God gives this man the ability to help us live between Sundays. All of us are in a special place on Sunday mornings when we come together to be spiritually reinforced, renewed, and revived, but we must walk out of these doors back into a world that often hates the very name of Jesus Christ. The Lord gifted Solomon to help us to function between Sundays. There is criticism about the writings of Proverbs in as much as he gives us good advice but often doesn't use the name God. Solomon may say that wine is a threat to us because wine is a mocker and strong drink is raging. Whoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Good advice, but he just didn't say the name God. One that has friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Excellent advice, but he didn't use the name God. He said it is better to dwell in the corner of a rooftop than to be in the house with a brawling and contentious person. Life-saving advice, but just didn't say the word God. Even in this text, he says, there is that scattereth and yet increaseth. Some people are disturbed by the fact that in Proverbs, Solomon may not use the name God often. And in the book of James in the New Testament, which is the Proverbs of this new covenant, the criticism is that James didn't use the name Jesus enough. Martin Luther said, I have cut the book of James out of my Bible and will not preach from it because James didn't say enough about Jesus as a New Testament writer. How do we deal with these criticisms? Well, in Proverbs in the Old Testament, it is true that Solomon gives us great advice and sometimes does not use the name God forthrightly, but you and I must recognize that God is omnipresent. And being omnipresent, a believer must have the ability to sense God even when his name is not in bold print. The old folk were right. You got to trust him even when you can't trace him. Yes, God is there even though there are those who wonder why is the book of Proverbs in the Bible? It does not talk about the millennium. It does not talk about the Messiah. It does not deal with Matters of eschatology or weightier issues of theology. But Solomon helps us to get from day to day. He helps us with practical wisdom. Even if you are a deep person, you still need good common sense. In fact, the book of Proverbs should be required reading for every human being. Because if people had read Proverbs, their relationships would stay intact longer. There wouldn't be so many people involved in violent, insensitive behavior. It is Solomon who said, a soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. It is as though Solomon had power steering in mind. If you're trying to park a car without power steering, trying to get into a tight space, you can work up a sweat. But if you have power steering, you can use one finger and spin the wheel. When he says a soft answer turneth away wrath, he helps us to realize that God has to give us grace to process and carefully choose our words. That the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Words are like ammunition because you have a deadly weapon right in your mouth. Even James reinforces it in his writing and says that the tongue is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. It is no wonder that one of the first things that the Holy Ghost grabs when he baptizes us is the tongue. Because we can't tame it, but he can. Come on, help me give God some praise. Yes, the book of Proverbs helps us to deal with unfriendly people in a hostile world. The Lord knows that he will send somebody in our direction who is unrefined. There are some people who can't even see enough good in a morning to admit that it's a good morning, but God has to give you a soft answer to keep a potentially explosive situation from going up in the flames. Yes, if God could give that kind of advice to Solomon who gives us assurance that God allows scattering to take place, but it fulfills a larger purpose— For when he says there is that scattereth and yet increaseth, he has a message to the diaspora that God has not forgotten you. The word scattered is what diaspora means. It means that God allows things to happen in your life that often uproot you from things that are familiar to you. Diaspora means that God allows trouble to come into your life. He allows factories to close businesses to shut down he allows mortgages to be foreclosed he allows loved ones that are dear to your heart to slip away from you this might cause you to be scattered relocated forced to be somewhere you don't want to be but even if God allows you to be scattered he has a way of increasing you and affirming you during your adversity you understand, this is why James writes this letter. James posts his letter addressing it to the diaspora. If it were not for the scattering, the ministry of James would never have been relevant. For James is one of the most unsung personalities in the Bible. Perhaps the reason why he's an unsung hero in the Bible is because we think we know him but we really don't. He has a name that is familiar. The name James for many years was the second most populous name in the Christian realm. But James in this text is not the son of Zebedee and brother of John. This is a different James. This is not the James who is the son of Alphaeus, cousin of Jesus Christ, also a disciple often called James the Less. This is the James that somehow we overlook. The reason why we overlook this James is because he's never really visible. When Jesus was on earth, this James chose to stay out of Jesus' life and ministry. Like the other siblings of Jesus Christ, James and the earthly brothers and sisters of Christ never heard Jesus preach, never attended his mass meetings, never experienced the miracle-working power of his preaching. Somehow, the saying is true, familiarity breeds contempt. James couldn't quite turn that corner of accepting the fact that the boy that I grew up with, the boy that I was an apprentice with in Joseph's carpentry shop, is not so much my brother as he is the son of God. If you've been growing up with somebody thinking that they are your sibling wearing their clothes sitting at the Dinner table calling the same person mom and dad. And about 30 years old, a messianic revelation comes forth that the one that you call your brother is actually God himself. It was difficult for James to make that turn. In fact, Jesus has a paradox on his hand. He saves other people's family, but his own family won't even come to hear him minister. In Matthew chapter twelve, forty-six. Jesus is preaching in a house that is literally packed with people. He gives out golden nuggets of the kingdom. But while he's preaching, a third party comes in and passes Jesus a note saying, your mother, and brethren are outside and they want to talk with you they don't have enough interest in your ministry to come in and hear you preach they really want you to hurry up and get it done so they can talk with you outside Jesus skillfully manages this frontal assault on his ministry by redefining family. He reached out to those in the audience as well as those in this audience and said, whoever does the will of my father, the same is my mother, my sister, and my brother. Jesus was a daddy's boy because he was in the bosom of the father before he was in the womb of his mother. He has such a strong relationship with his Father that the Holy Ghost, in selecting the chromosomes for Jesus Christ and the deoxyribonucleic acid, he makes Jesus come out looking just like his daddy. For Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father because I am in the Father and the Father is in me. In fact, God the Father is the only father who has a son who is the same age as his daddy. You don't have to say "Amanda," that just say, "hmm." Jesus recognized the disconnect between him and his own family. And that is why you understand the criticism that is leveled at James, because James is the actual successor to Jesus Christ. It is not enough to have success, you must plan for succession. God had in mind a successor to Jesus Christ as the pastor of the mother church and bishop of Jerusalem. That successor, however, was not the more prominent names. It was not Peter, it was not John, rather it was James who never attended any of the crusades of Jesus Christ. This James, the Lord's brother, did not believe on Jesus until after he was crucified buried, resurrected and ascended into heaven then Jesus makes an isolated appearance to James and whatever he said to James personally and confidentially James got on board and in believing on Jesus Christ God put him fast tracked he became the pastor of the church as well as the bishop of Jerusalem somebody may wonder isn't that nepotism that Jesus would have his brother to pastor the mother church? Well, why didn't you ask that when Jesus brought other brothers and made them apostles? Did you raise that objection when Andrew went and found his own brother, Simon, and brought him to Jesus? Jesus accepted Simon renaming him right on the spot I've got another name for you I want you to recognize the connection between little rock and big rock Petra and Petras Peter you are the little rock but I'm the big rock and on this big rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it yes Andrew and Simon Peter were brothers Philip got his own brother Nathanael and brought him to Christ. Nathanael was not as enthusiastic about Jesus as Philip was. For Nathanael asked, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip could not answer him directly, but he said, here's what you do, come and see. James and John were brothers. Thomas called Didymus, which means twins. If you didn't object to Jesus bringing in other brothers? You didn't have a problem with Andrew and Peter, Philip and Nathaniel, James and John, Thomas, a twin. Why is it that you got a problem with Jesus bringing his brother in to serve the church? You don't have to say amen, just say, hmm. Well, let's observe the fact that God had prepared James for this critical hour. Nobody ever accused James of being a great preacher or a great orator, but the fact is he was the prince of pastors. Pastoring is one thing, preaching or oratory is another. When you need someone by your bedside in a hospital room, if you're in ICU or critical care unit, you don't need nobody to hoop. You just need somebody to be there to literally walk you through your crisis. Pastoring is a patient, nurturing, mothering kind of ministry. It is the kind of ministry that plants you and waters you and attends to your growth and spiritual development and maturity in Christ. Yes, we need pastors, not just preachers. All pastors may not be persons of oratorical excellence, but if you can be there when I'm in trouble, thank God for your pastoral ministry. You understand, Peter could preach them in. Peter, with one sermon, could bring 3,000 souls into the kingdom. In another sermon, after the lame man is healed, 5,000 souls are added to the church, which meant that Jesus, who experienced fluctuations in statistics in membership, sometimes Jesus had 12 members, sometimes he had 5,000, at other times he had zero. But after the resurrection, he rebuilt the membership one by one and two by two. He said to above 500 brethren, I want you to go to the upper room and tarry until you're endued with power from on high. 500 didn't show up, but 120 did. That's what you call the pilot group. If you got a gas stove, you can turn off everything, but you still got a little small blue flame underneath that says, I'm ready for action. You may not get this kind of crowd at prayer meeting or Bible study, but you will get enough to keep the pilot burning. God needs a pilot group that can pray early in the morning, in midnight hour, to keep the fire burning. Come on, help me give God some praise. Yes, Peter could preach them in, but it was James who pastored them. In fact, James, as the bishop of Jerusalem, is the one who chaired the first church council in history. In AD 51, it is the apostle James that convened the council, which had as its focus overcoming racism in the church. The non-Jewish widows were complaining that we don't get included like Jewish widows. James had to help first century believers to overcome their inherent racism. You understand, racism still is a stronghold in the community of faith. Even in the past election we saw the divides that racism can bring in the community of faith because evangelical Christians on the radical right extreme endorse one candidate and then those of us who in a city urban Christians endorse someone else. The Sunday before Election Day, Hillary Clinton worship at Mount Airy Church of God in Christ. But if you want to understand the disconnect between us and evangelicals, you got to know your history. The fact of the matter is, evangelicals didn't really consider us to be Christians at all. For as a matter of history, they didn't consider us to quite be human if you own the three-fifths of a person as the Constitution suggests, then you're not a full human. And if you're not human, how can you be Christian? Martin Luther King had to write from a Birmingham jail to Christian pastors who demanded an answer from him why are you a so called Christian minister breaking the law why are you engaging in civil disobedience king had the right from the jail to those pastors and let them know I have the right to reject corrupt and unjust laws because I'm appealing to a higher law You understand the authority of a higher law for when you go to a stop sign or red light the norm is to stop but if you're an ambulance which has the siren going and the lights flashing you're trying to save a life. You can safely and carefully go through the red light and the stop sign because it's urgent that you get that person to critical care. You and I in rightly dividing the word of truth must understand that faith to Us in the diaspora is different to those who are at ease in Zion. The fact of the matter is, we are the diaspora, we are not native. To America, we were snatched from the mother continent of Africa. God allowed diaspora to take place. He allowed our own black brothers and sisters to sell us into slavery. That's nothing new. God allowed Joseph's brothers to sell him into slavery, to throw him into a pit. God allowed Jesus' brothers to betray him into the hands of haters who crucified him. But if God allows you to be sold into slavery as Joseph was for 20 pieces of silver, as Jesus was for 30 pieces of silver, as we were brought to auction blocks, husbands separated from wives, parents separated from children, we were scattered, but God still let us increase. Let me hear somebody say increase. Come on wave your hand and say increase. Amen. Even on this day we notice that systemic racism is still the law of the land. We notice that 45 wants to turn back the hands not only of affirmative action but eradicate the Affordable Care Act, to take out everything that President Obama put in place. Have your fun, fortified. Trouble don't last always. (laughs) The Bible says there is that scattereth, but the more you try to scatter us, the stronger God's going to make us. For if God allows you to be scattered, he knows where everybody is. He knows how to find you. He knows how to draw you back together. He knows how to put your broken dreams together. He knows how to raise you up as a miracle witness to the power of Jesus' name. Come on, somebody help me give God some praise in here today. Yes, it is because of persecution that James writes this letter. It is because God suffered that persecution would slam against the first century church and in so doing Jews were literally dismissed, barred from the city of Jerusalem. Jesus said that where the temple used to stand not one stone shall be upon another. In the year 70 AD a Roman Centurion ran a plow over where the temple used to stand. Diaspora meant that God suffered, that his chosen people would be scattered to the four corners of the earth. But we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and are the call according to his purpose. If you know that you love God, you ought to also know that you are called of God to fulfill a kingdom purpose. Why don't you touch somebody and tell them, not only am I called, but I'm also chosen. Yes. God has chosen the small to confound the great God has chosen the weak to confound the mighty God has chosen the foolish to confound the wise God has chosen the scattered to confound things that are established I thank God that I'm a part of the diaspora I'm glad that God picked me up from the broken pieces found me by his grace amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me I was scattered I was lost but grace found me I was blind but grace opened my eyes somebody help me thank God for grace yes If it had not been for diaspora, if it had not been for persecution, this letter would not have been necessary. You realize that God carefully intertwines scattering, diaspora problems, uprooting upheaval into your life not because he's trying to destroy you but because God can keep you in spite of what's coming against you God can preserve you he can preserve your going out he can preserve your coming in when God makes up his mind to bless you can nobody curse you yes this preacher's ministry is to the diaspora. There's nothing wrong with being bourgeois. There's nothing wrong with attending Ivy League schools. There's nothing wrong with using the king's English. But your ministry had better be able to go outside the box and speak to somebody who has to wrestle just to keep their head above water. You better have enough ministry to find the bottom and lift somebody up whose life is in shambles. The gospel of Jesus Jesus Christ afflicts the comfortable but comforts the afflicted many are the afflictions of the righteous but the Lord delivers out of them all let me hear somebody say thank God I'm delivered let's give God some praise for deliverance in here today this preacher has a message of deliverance if you're preaching to the scattered you better have some deliverance That is why the method of our preaching is different from others. The Lord says to us, cry loud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. God doesn't give the preacher an oboe. God doesn't give the preacher a flute. God doesn't give the preacher a saxophone. He gives you a trumpet so you can wake up the dead. A trumpet so you can call people out of darkness into the marvelous light. A trumpet to bring them out of their complacency. You got to have a trumpet down in your soul. A trumpet that lets you say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God, the dunamis, the exousia. To so everyone that believeth, this trumpet preacher had to make his target those who were scattered. Even if your life has been intact even if your marriage is one of the few that is strong even if your job is still secure you know somebody who has suffered diaspora you know somebody whose heart has been broken you know somebody who's dealt with the terminal disease you know somebody that God has brought back from the valley of the shadow of death I don't just have a testimony I am Am a living testimony why don't you shake hand with somebody and tell him I am a living testimony come on and clap those hands and give God some praise yes James preaches to the diaspora that is reason why what we have is good news if you already got it made, you're not looking for any good news. You're already rejoicing that the stock market is above 23,000. The rich keep getting richer, but the poor keep getting Poorer, but if somehow you're always the last hired and first fired, if somehow your family has been targeted by the enemy, drugs and violence have infiltrated your family, even prison has somehow put his hands upon you, God says, I still have good news for you. It does not matter if your heart is broken, God is a heart fixer. God is a mind regulator, God is a healer, God is a deliverer, God has good news for you. This is why James said, my brethren, count it all joy. Who in their right mind would tell somebody who's falling, count it joy. Most people think joy is for people on their way up climbing the ladder of success, racking up achievements on every hand. But God has something good for you even if you are falling. James says, I've got good news for the fallen. For God will not suffer your feet to be removed. Not only will he establish you, but he'll make your feet like hind's feet. For for a hein can position his front two feet. He doesn't have to worry about the rear two feet. They automatically land in place. Jesus is our front two feet. If you can just place your footsteps with Jesus. You remember the story about the man that said, I saw two sets of footprints by the shore, but when diaspora came, when problems came, I only saw one. He wondered why God had left him, but God had to let him know that was when I had you in my arms that's when I carried you through destruction I carried you through adversity carried you through the valley of the shadow of death you see when God has his hands on your life and he puts you in the valley of the shadow of death you got to have a holler ready Because Psalm 23 said, yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You see, yay is another word for yes. Yes is the word God gave Charles Harrison Mason. Mason, I know I'm going to put you in the valley of the shadow of death for preaching Pentecost in a segregated society. But because there's a yes, Lord, deep down in your soul, no enemy can shut down. Down your ministry Mason because a yes is in you I'll bring the white the black the yellow the brown the rich and the poor God told Mason I'll give you such a following that no building can hold the saints in one place in fact there are so many saints that Jesus is gonna have to have a camp meeting in the air transportation will be provided by the Holy Ghost for when the trumpet sounds in a moment in the twinkling of an eye we shall be changed oh change from mortal to immortality change from corruptible the incorruptible are you in that number come on and touch somebody and tell them thank god i'm in that number god has a change waiting for me say yeah. Oh, Lord, God suffers trouble to come into our lives. God suffers pain to strike a nerve in our lives. God troubles us, but it's for your good. Don't you remember the analogy of the eagle stirring her nest? You can get comfortable in a nest, but if you are an eaglet, you need to learn how to spread your wings. For other birds don't get flying lessons. Robins and jaybirds, turkeys don't get flying lessons. But if you are an eagle, God has to create an appetite in you to stretch out your wings. Mother eagle knows I put some thorns in the bottom of this nest. And when the eaglet gets just the right size, I'm going to take my long lethal talons and get those thorns and stamp them up and every which way the eaglet moves it gets stuck and if you've been stuck long enough you start spreading your wings after you've suffered a while you're gonna spread your wings after you've been talked about after you've been misunderstood you're gonna spread your wings after you've been ridiculed misused and set aside God will let you spread your wings why don't you look as I and tell them, Excuse me, I need some wingspan room. I'm getting ready to mount up with wings as eagles. I'm getting ready to run
1: and not be reared, to walk and not faint. Every round goes higher and higher. Oh Lord. I'm on my way up, gonna hold my head up, I'm going on with the Lord, storm may rise, winds may blow, but I've got the right winds underneath my wings, when the time is right, I'm gonna mount up
2: with wings as eagles say it. Thank God He knows how to stir your nest That's what happened to the church That James was pastoring God suffered persecution to come And stirred the nest He used to have 8,500 members But when persecution came He lost his men's choir He lost his usher board He lost his finance committee Numbers began to dwindle But James said, I'm not disappointed. I know how to count, count it all joy. Some people don't know how to count. They count big things. They count great achievements, but they don't count the little things. But I want to thank God for the little things. I want to thank you for holding my hands. Thank you for guiding my footsteps. Thank you for rocking
1: me to sleep at night. Thank you for putting angels by my bedside. Oh Lord, I just want to thank you for the little things. Thank you for a song in my heart. Thank you for praise in my soul. Thank you for joy to lift my hands. Oh Lord, I just want to thank you. Didn't have to bless me, but you did
2: didn't have to save me but you did didn't have to hear
1: my cry so glad you did come on and raise those antennas and say thank you lord oh lord oh thank you lord for keeping my soul thank you lord for covering me with the blood say yes say yes When persecution slammed
2: against the first century church, James says, now is the time to shout. Don't just shout when the hammer gets tuned up and the Leslie's are at full blast. Don't just shout when you get a check in the mail. Don't just shout because somebody pat you on the back. But you gotta learn how to shout
1: in a Adversity. Shout when your pockets are empty. Shout with pains in your body. Shout when burdens get heavy. Shout when trouble is in your way. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Say yes. Oh yeah. Oh Lord. Oh yeah thanks be to God if you counted joy God will show up and show out in your storm he'll show up in your distress show up when friends are gone for joy is an acronym
2: Jesus first of the second yourself last but James was sure to give care for directions he said my brethren oh lord my brethren the question to the brethren is why brothers do you sit back and let the sisters do the shouting you ride back legs crossed arms folded and then you wonder why your life expectancy is shorter than the
1: sisters you wonder why you can't handle the stress when you praise God you release your stress when you praise God, you put it all in God's hand. When you praise God, you trust in God for a miracle. I need about 20 brothers that'll meet me in this aisle, my brethren. Count it all joy. Do I have any brothers who are not ashamed to praise the Lord? Do I have any brothers who don't mind giving God glory? He spared my life. He healed my body. Brought me off the streets. God made me a winner. God delivered my soul. I'm happy about what God is doing in my life. Come on, brothers. Let's shout. Let's leap for joy. Let's magnify. Hallelujah. 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 My brethren, count it all, Sean. Help me say Sean. 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 Come on and give God some praise in here. Come on and give Him some praise. Oh, Sean. Come on, brothers. Help me say Sean. Say it again Sean. Sean. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Now, brothers, here's what I want you to do. Somebody has flipped the script, and instead of men sitting in church pews on Sundays, they're in stadium seats. And they're screaming to the tops of their voices. Yeah. They're filled with the Spirit. Bird light. Paps Blue Ribbon. But I want some real men. Let me hear somebody say, I'm
1: a real man. I want to give God real praise. My brethren, count it all. John. Count it all, John. Count it all, John. God needs some men to praise Him. He needs some men to bring down strongholds. He needs some men to lift up the name of Jesus. Come on, men! Let's give God another shout. Glory to God. Woo. Bless God. As
2: we pray, I want every brother to touch another brother. Put your hand on another brother's shoulder. Because as God heals us, he's gonna heal our spouses, he's gonna heal our children, he's gonna heal our grandchildren as God heals us. Only God can heal a broken heart, a disappointed spirit. Many of us have come through the ringer. our manhood despised by this system. But when God says you're a man, you're a man. And if God be for us, who can be against it? Father, we men are down here at your altar, counting it all joy. Jesus, as a man, you hung on a cross. Your word says you endured the cross, despising the shame because of the joy that was set before you. Jesus, if you could find joy with nails in your hands, if you could find joy with spikes in your feet if you could find joy with thorns in your brow i can find joy with my little problems i put everything at your feet jesus i trust in you with all my heart everything that i am everything that i have everything that i ever will be is under the blood of jesus christ let your blood cover my thoughts, my mind, my past, my present, my future, my home, my family, let your blood cover today. Somebody help me say the blood of Jesus. Come on and say it again, the blood of Jesus. God, we plead the blood. Even though we know that there are generational curses that have been unleashed upon us, I command the curse to cease. I cancel the demon's assignment. The blood of Jesus delivers me from the curse. I'm blessed. Let me hear somebody say, I'm blessed.
1: Come on, say it again, I'm blessed. And I know I am. Now, let's give God some praise. Glory to God. Glory. Hallelujah. My brethren, count it all joy.
2: Whatever the enemy throws at you to try to destroy you, remember greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. It might hit you, it might hurt you, but it can't destroy you. Come on and celebrate Jesus Christ. Jesus is Lord. He's my Savior. He's my deliverer. Before you leave this altar, hug three brothers and tell them, Count it all joy.
1: In the name of Jesus, Count it all joy.
2: Whatever comes against you. Can't all joy, I still have joy. I still have joy after all the things I've been through, I still have joy, I still have joy. Come on, help me. I still have joy after all the things I've been through, I still Come on and raise your testimony Oh, I still have joy Oh, I still have joy After all the things I've been through I still have joy
1: Yes, I still have joy 沒事吧